My name is Noelle Garcia, and I have five kids. Thank you. Thank you. I have four boys, one girl. And when I brought my uh, fourth boy home from the hospital, my daughter looked at me, she's the second oldest, and she said, what are we going to do with all these boys? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I grew up with sisters. I don't know. So it's good to be here with you guys. I think um, for me, it took a long time before I really appreciated female friendships. But I asked my daughter when I was going to a women's conference last year, I said, you know, if you had some advice for women, since you're the only girl, what do you think you would say? And she said, well, sometimes girls believe lies. I said, that's true. I said, what are some lies that girls believe? And so I had her put together this video. She came up with the content. She came up with the ideas. And I think you'll find her talk very inspiring. So can we roll the video? Today I'm going to talk about lies that girls usually think that they are. You don't need to have the, a boyfriend because it's your choice. You could even have a good boyfriend that's holy or Catholic. Or you could have a bad boyfriend, which is not holy or Catholic, and pushes you around. So you never want to choose the wrong boyfriend. You should ask God. Pray to him that you found the right person and you really want to at least get out of the video. Please! At least you're annoying the video. All right, so, and, and lies that girls are pretty on the outside, but they're really pretty in the inside. The heart is the prettiest, because um, you have love inside that heart. Jesus puts lots of angels in there, and the more angels, the more you love someone. You boys <laughs> That's my brother, and that's my other brother, and there's another. Cool, cool, cool. And there's another cool, buddy cool, cool, sleeping cool, on the couch. Boys, stop. Stop. And there's another brother sleeping in my daddy and mommy's room. <laughs> Get back in bed. Sorry. And lies, um... That, <laughs> that girls aren't strong, but they really are. I take karate and tennis and gymnastics. And I take dates with my mom. And dates with my mom. So you better not mess with the rock So, so that's my daughter. You can see um, it's always chaotic at our house. We can't have nice things, which is great. We actually, um, we live in Dodge City, Kansas. Um, yay! My Kansas, I know you're not from Dodge, though. Um, but we're actually, we just listed our house Thursday to sell it and move to Oklahoma City. So... My husband and I, we're going to be working for the Archdiocese there. So we're super excited, so excited to come. Um, so, okay, I will. Um, so here's the thing. My, uh, 
I think it was hilarious when I got my talk assignment for this conference that I had to talk about friendship. God has a hilarious sense of humor because when I was your age, like, I didn't have any friends. Um, like, I'm totally serious. <laughs> I had no friends. And we didn't have, you know, social media and things, so I couldn't even have fake friends. Like, I had no friends. Um, but I really struggled with making friends. A big part of that was, like, I was homeschooled, and we homeschool our kids. We love homeschooling. But... Thank you. Our version of homeschooling was like, we didn't go anywhere. Like, we just stayed home. Um, so it was hard to meet people. The other thing was, I was really painfully shy. I'm still on the shyer side, but I was really shy to where I would constantly replay conversations in my head and think of what I did wrong in those conversations. And just, it was, it was such um, anxiety that would just take over me whenever I would try to make a friend. Um, I struggled with my self-image. I was really uh, just overweight and going through that, that awkward teen ch body changing thing. Um, bad acne, just huge feet, huge feet. I, size 12. And, but, okay. Thank you. Um, somebody told me that it is a blessing to have large feet because you will never blow over in a strong wind. And it is true because Dodge City is one of the windiest places in the country, and I have yet to blow over. Other people are, like, flying past me, and I'm like, what's up? <laughs> Big um, so I really struggled to make friends um, for, for a lot of those reasons. And I struggled with self-harm, suicidal thoughts, just depression. It took a long time of just God working in my life and, and healing and therapy and all kinds of things before I really became to see that my self-worth is not in my accomplishments. It is in the fact that God loves me. And it is in that relationship that makes me good. It's that relationship that makes me loved. If I can be described as good, it is because I am good to somebody. If I'm described as loving, it is because I have loved somebody. Everything about us that is good and virtuous has to have its root in relationship. And if you look at the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who God is is relationship. We were made for relationship. We were made from a relationship, from the Holy Trinity, through the relationship of our parents and now we are made for relationship with each other and with the Lord. Um, some things that kind of get in the way of that, though, anxiety, depression. We are one of the most depressed and anxious generations ever, which is crazy, right? Because we're also, in this country at least, we have the most stuff. We have constant access to people, and yet we're lonely. This is my phone, by the way. You're like, wallet? We have constant access, and yet we're lonely, and we're starving from those relationships. Did you know that a baby, when a baby is born, if that baby is not held and loved, it can have serious, lifelong negative effects in that baby's ability to form relationships. It could even die. We are made for relationships. My, um, one of my sisters, she was adopted through foster care. And when she was found and taken in by the police, she was sitting on a carpet filled with human waste, drug needles, abandoned. And when she came to live with us, she didn't cry. 
She didn't laugh. Somebody would take something away from her and she didn't get mad. She just sat there. She was diagnosed with severe depression at age one. She's 26 now. And she has come a long way. We need friendships. We need relationships. And it wasn't really until, so I, in my marriage, my husband and I, when we were first dating, he, I said, let's go bowling. And he was like, no, I can't. I'll break a nail. And I was like, seriously? And he's like, yes, I need my nails because he plays guitar and he plays like this special finger picking style. And he's like, I need these nails. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but little did I know that when we were married, I would be doing all the home repairs. I installed a toilet a few months ago by myself. Um, we actually have, thank you, thank you. When my husband went away for a mission trip, which was hilarious, I'm like, good luck with that. Um, he went away for a mission trip, and um, I was home. I just had a baby. Um, he was like six months old. I'm sitting with him. There's a picture. Um, you can find it probably on my Instagram, but I'm sitting on the floor. I had ripped up all the carpet in the living room, and I'm installing floor with a baby in my lap. So if you need a stress reliever, I highly recommend ripping out carpet. Um, you get to use knives and crowbars. It's really great. But I'm the one that does those things. And that doesn't mean that I'm less of a woman because I'm the one that has the talent for doing those things. And I think as, a lot of times as women, we get told that if you're not a certain way, you are less feminine, that there's something wrong with you. But we need our female friendships because women understand. We're on the same page with our receptivity. Pope John Paul II says, you know, women are receptive. We're open. We're open to others, open to relationships, open to life. We represent that truth about God. And then the other thing is we're sensitive. And I don't mean sensitive like we cry at the drop of a hat, although sometimes, you know, it, crying is contagious. Um, but sometimes uh, we, we can think that sensitive just has to do with like we get our feelings hurt easily. That's not what it is. Sensitive is sensing, sensing the pain of another. When I was in labor with my fourth child, so the, the first one I had an epidural and it was great, like it didn't feel anything. The second two, the epidural didn't work. Um, with my third child, the epidural numbed my left leg and I was like this creepy like lady in the hospital just dragging my leg behind me. It's really weird. But so with my fourth, I was like, I can do this. Like, I basically did this um, without any, you know, medication the last two. Like, I totally can do natural childbirth. Like, I was made for this. This is great. So I'm in the longest, most painful labor of my life. Had no idea that while I was in labor, my amazing and wonderful husband was running a Facebook competition. He had gone out to the waiting room and saw a vending machine that had a cheeseburger in it. And he took a picture and he put it on Facebook and said, if I get 100 likes, I will eat this cheeseburger. <laughs> and people were like, dude, isn't your wife like having a baby right now? <laughs> you know, but he was like, well, what could I do? I, you know, there's nothing I could do. Um, we need our female friends. And as I have gotten older, I've just come to appreciate it so much more. Like, women get it. I remember I was dating somebody in college, and I was, like, I was really mad at him. And he goes, is it that time of the month? And I was like, yes, but that is not why I'm mad at you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but we get it. Like, I, when I walk into a room and my husband says, you know, 
how's it going? And I say, fine. He's like, okay, great. And he moves on with his day. If my sister walked into the room with me and I was not fine, I wouldn't even have to say anything. She just knows. She gets it. We're sensitive, not in an inward, like, oh, my feelings are hurt kind of way, but a sensitive, like, this person needs something. And you see that in the Gospel of Luke when Mary has just been told by the angel Gabriel that she's going to have the Son of God. And what's the first thing that she does? She doesn't draw attention to herself and say, everybody come over, like, I am going to have the Son of God. I was chosen Here I am, look at me. The first thing she does is she goes to visit somebody. Do you know who she visits? Elizabeth, female friend. Because she's also been told that Elizabeth is going to have a baby in her old age. Mary knows, and I've always heard like, Mary went to go see Elizabeth just to like, see how amazing it is that Elizabeth is having a child in her old age. But Mary was the first evangelist. She has Jesus within her. She sees Elizabeth is having a baby in her old age. She needs me. And she runs in haste. She's pregnant herself, and she runs in haste to go see Elizabeth, to help her, to be with her, to bring Jesus to her. And Elizabeth said, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That Mary's love and her compassion and her love for her fellow woman would take her beyond herself, beyond her comfort, beyond her own town to go and bring Jesus to this person, to her cousin. Mother Teresa says that she thinks a lot of the problems that we have in the world are because we have forgotten that we belong to one another. My husband and I were both musicians, and uh, we were going to um, California for a youth conference. And it was called the You Only Live Once conference, which will be very relevant in just a second. But we were um, getting on the plane. I had left my two kids with my parents, and I was pregnant with a third. I'm like always pregnant. So I was pregnant with a third. And we get on this plane, and we're about to land in Chicago to come home. And all of a sudden... The, all the lights come on. Like, we're, we're starting to make our descent, and all of a sudden, the plane shoots back up into the sky. And I was like, that's weird. You know, maybe, maybe the pilot missed the runway or something. We have to go back around. Well, all of a sudden, all the lights come on in the cabin, and the flight attendants start walking up and down, kind of frantic, up and down the aisle. And they're like, where's the manual? And I'm like, manual? Maybe they mean Manuel. I don't... <laughs> Where's Manuel, you know? So they go to the very far, like, overhead cabin or bin, and they open it up, and they're like, there it is, and they pull out this huge binder, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this cannot be good. And I thought, since I was pregnant, I thought, well, maybe somebody's, like, in labor. They're having a baby. But wouldn't you want to deliver the baby on the ground? Like, I don't, I don't get it. So all of this is kind of going through my head. It seems like it takes forever before we get any explanation of what's happening. But finally, the pilot says, okay, the landing gear says it's not functioning. We are going to have to make an emergency landing. We've been flying past the tower to see if they can tell if the wheels are down and maybe it's just our sensor that says that, you know, they're not working. But they can't see. It's too dark. So don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, 
everything is not going to be okay. We're in this giant metal tube way high up in the sky. I wasn't even sitting next to my husband. I'm sitting in between two strangers, and he's, like, way up in the front. I can see his cute little bald head, like, way up on the side. I can't even, like, talk to him and say, oh, my gosh, I'm so worried. So the flight attendants begin preparing us, and they're saying, you know, take everything that's breakable off of your face. So no glasses, no big jewelry, nothing like that, and put it down. When we get off of this plane, do not take anything with you. We'll need to get off as quickly as possible. So they're preparing us. They're saying, you know, as we make our descent, you're going to cross your arms in front of you, put your head down, and we're going to say, brace, 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 and you just get ready. Get ready. So we're still flying around for a bit. And the lady next to me, who, funny enough, like, first of all, please don't name your youth conferences. You only live once for the sake of your traveling speakers. Um, so the lady next to me, uh, when I had got on the plane, she said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah. And she goes, it is so good to sit next to a Christian. And I was like, okay. That's a little weird. Like, I'm, like now I look back and I'm like, there were all these signs. I should have gotten off the plane. Um, but she, so she's sitting right here next to me, and she's like, do you want to pray? And I said, yes. And so we're holding hands, and she goes, God, don't let us die. Just don't let us die. And I'm like, I just want to pray by myself. Um, so, and I'm thinking about my kids, like, oh, my gosh, you know, my kids, you know, we told them mommy and daddy are going to be back in just a couple days. Like, what's going to happen with them? And I just started crying and crying and crying. And then all of a sudden, uh, I felt this peace wash over me. And the Lord told me in, in an internal voice, not like an out, out loud voice, but an internal voice like, don't you know I love them more than you? You would give your life for them, but I already did. Don't you know that I want their good? Don't you know I love you? And then the flight attendants get back on and they say, look to the person on your left. Look to the person on your right, these are the people that you are going to help get off this plane. Right now, look to the person on your right. Look to the person on your left. You are responsible for them. So, the boys aren't here, so this is good. <laughs> Not responsible for them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you are responsible for them. You are responsible for getting them to the Lord, helping them on this journey. And Mother Teresa says the problems that we're facing in this world are because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. That we are responsible for each other. That we need each other. That friendship is not just feel good, have a good time with people kind of thing. Friendship is you belong to this person and they belong to you. The Lord says, you are my friends if you keep my commands. And what are the two commands that he says that we have to follow? One is honor God above all things. Love him. Love him above all things. And the second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, if that's the most important thing to God, that we love him and we love each other, everything else can fall by the wayside. So as we descended to make our landing, and the flight attendants are shouting, brace, brace, brace. I just took a deep breath, and I was like, just ready for whatever happens. Jesus, I trust in you. 
and we landed perfectly smooth. Everything was fine. I looked out the window, and I saw like just dozens and dozens of fire trucks and ambulances and police cars. They weren't letting anybody else land except for this one plane. And you know what? All of a sudden, all those judgments that we made about the people that were coming onto the plane, they didn't matter. You recognize this person is valuable. This person next to me is loved by somebody. This person is important. We landed fine, and when I got off that plane, I was shaking. It was so just surreal. You know, just thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. But we formed a bond with those people around us on that plane that we'll never see each other again. But I remember their faces. Those kinds of experiences, they bond you together. But I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, Aristotle, he, he um, has four different levels of happiness. And Father Robert Spitzer, he's fantastic. If you're like, well, I don't know if I believe in God because science, like Father Robert Spitzer, you need to look him up because he is a phenomenal scientist. He is amazing at breaking down theological truths as they relate to like psychology and philosophy and science, and it's incredible. But he uses these four levels of happiness to talk about friendship. Now, the first level of happiness is like instant gratification. So it's like, man, I'm craving a taco. Give me a taco. I am happy. Three hours later, I am not happy. But for that minute, that minute that it took to get that taco, to fulfill that craving, to satisfy that urge, like I was happy. And when we look at that with friendship, that instant friendship, a lot of that comes through social media. But here's the problem with instant friendship or instant happiness is that it doesn't last. You have to start all over again. So you put up a picture and you get, you know, 100 likes well, that doesn't last. You've got to put up the next picture. Maybe the next picture only got like 10 likes. I saw this really, really just truthful and sad meme where this kid had done this piece of artwork. And he puts it up on social media. And then it says, two hours later, one like. So he deletes it and he rips up his picture. How many of us are doing that every single day? But it's not necessarily our artwork that we rip up, it's ourselves. How many of us, if a picture is taken and we don't like ourselves in it, we delete? I do that. Instant, instant friendship. That's not the lasting friendship. That's not the friendship that you can be vulnerable with. It's dependent upon just an instant feeling or satisfying an urge. Another thing is sexting and sex. And I'm putting those two together. Because sometimes we can use sex for love, instant, instant, or companionship, instant, instant. But then it's over. Because it's not based on anything except satisfying an, an immediate urge. And same with sexting. And guys, I am begging you, please, please, don't contribute to this industry where people are dying. They are being trafficked. Don't contribute to that. It, this is a huge issue in our culture. But it goes down to the very root, the very first sin. 
of Adam and Eve, this divorcing from anything eternal and just to the flesh. It's divorcing who we are, that we're not body and soul, that we're just bodies. And we go for that instant companionship, instant friendship. We had somebody uh, in our lives who is now in prison for child pornography. And this person was over at our house frequently, um, became a good friend. And there were some like little kind of red flags, they, but they weren't big red flags. They were just like my mom's spidey senses went up like, hmm, this seems odd. Well, there was a situation where he was over at our house, and I, I wasn't expecting that he was there. And my daughter and I had just come back from her swim lessons. And it was like a parent-child class, so we both had our swimsuits on, and I was embarrassed, and like I ran to go change right away. Well, my daughter, she was real little. She was like four. And she took her swimsuit off, and she ran through the living room in front of this guy. And I remember that he had his phone in his hands. And I remember that his behavior totally changed. And I remember talking to my mother-in-law the next day. And both of us just said, well, you know, you just can't be too careful nowadays. Maybe it just made him uncomfortable. So we both just kind of explained it away. But then when I found out that um, he was arrested for child pornography, I had to have a conversation with an FBI agent about is there a picture of my little girl somewhere out there? And so I beg you from a mother's heart that I always knew pornography was, was bad and it's bad for us and it's an addiction, but it became personal. So I beg you, please, please don't contribute to this industry. That instant, you are worth more. You are worth so much more than being divorced of your soul and your body and all the gifts that God has given you, all the love he has poured out in you, all the relationships that he has put in your life. All of these things, how he reaches out to you in the sacraments, how he hung himself upon the cross. You are worth more than the instant gratification of a friendship that's based on exploitation. That's based on quick satisfying of an urge. And then you've got to prove yourself all over again. It doesn't last. So the level two friendship is a friendship that is self-serving. It's like, these people make me feel good about myself. It's a lot of times it's rooted in sin. My husband, you guys are going to think he's like such a weirdo because I've been sharing all these stories. He kind of is, but he's like such a good, good and holy man. And um, he used to, at school, um, they used to have like after school clubs. Well, he was part of the after school smokers club. And he said, you know, he even started a forest fire, seriously. Um, but anyways, he even said that, that those friends only got together when there was something to smoke. So these kinds of friendships, they don't build you up. They're just things that you just do. Or maybe they're um, teammates on a sports team. And you only really see them when you're doing sports, when you're doing something together. Like it benefits you to have these people around because they're helping you to win a sports team. So they're just not that deep. There's not necessarily something wrong with them, but they're just not that deep. But the third level of friendship, which is one of the higher levels of friendship, that is when you desire the good of somebody else, 
even if that means like you put their good above yours. So maybe it means you are exhausted and you've got a final tomorrow and your friend just broke up with their boyfriend and they need you right now. And you know, you know, I've got this final, but I need to spend like 30 minutes just talking to this friend and just say, hey, you know, listen, I love you. I'm here for you. Let's set up a time to get together this weekend. When you desire the good of somebody else, that's when you know that you've reached that next level of friendship. And um, St. Teresa of Avila, I, so I, I'm like, okay. When I was a youth minister, like I was great with kids who were like on drugs or, you know, been to jail or were in these like really dysfunctional relationships. I was great with those. What I had a hard time with were like the annoying kids. Like, you know who I'm talking about? Like one time I was sitting in my office and I had this little mirror on my computer monitor so I could see behind me. And this kid comes in, he, and I had so much work to do. And he's like, he came into my office every single day. And he's like, hey, it's me again. I'm like, oh, great. Good to see you, you know. And he goes, hey, you know, guess what? I'm in this musical, and I've memorized every single line of my musical. I was like, wow, that's really awesome. Um, is it okay if we meet tomorrow because I've got all this work to do? And he goes, no, it's fine. You can do your work. I'll just, I'll just stand back here. And he starts reciting and singing every line of this musical. I'm not kidding. Like, he's standing behind me while I'm typing on the computer, and he is like, scene one. Then, guy walks out on stage, and I'm like, oh my gosh, just keep working, just keep working. And I'm, first of all, I'm like really aggravated. You know, I've got this stuff to do, and he's singing by himself, doing like female voices, male voices, all the different characters, by himself in my office, right? <laughs> and so finally, I, like, I just started laughing, like realizing the craziness of this scenario, like it would only happen to me. I just started laughing, and I turned around, and I was like, give me your best song, you know? And St. Teresa of Avila says that there is nothing annoying that is not easily endured, easily suffered by those who love each other. So when you are like just getting annoyed by some person, they're just annoying you. Ask yourself, do, do I love this person? And Lord, if I don't, help me love this person. Help me see the good in them. The, Father Robert Spitzer says that empathy begins. Empathy is like compassion for people. It's like feeling another's pain. Empathy gets its start in seeing the good news of the other person. What is something good about them? If you want to move the friendships to the next level, you have to start by saying, what is the good news about this person? How can I serve them? True happiness and, the, and level three happiness comes from serving other people. Jesus says all the time, as I have come to serve, so you must also serve. As I do for you, you must also do for others. But then we have women, or one of, one of the, the rules that I had when I was a youth minister was no drama. I just can't stand drama. So when we would have parent meetings, I'm like, if there is drama... We're calling parents. But it was usually the boys who started the drama. <laughs> the girls would be more dramatic because it never failed. Every time we went on a trip together, like every woman's cycle just happened to line up. 
And so there would be like a lot of tears and crying, but it was usually the boys like, I just can't decide what girl I like. I'm like, well, you, you're not deciding that on this trip. Like, <laughs> we, you could talk about it later. Like right now we're here for Jesus. Um, anyways, but jealousy was something that I really struggled with when I was growing up. Well, this person is so beautiful. I wish that I look like her. This person sings so amazing. I wish that I sung like her. And I went to a priest and I said, Father, I am really struggling with jealousy. It's making me not even feel like I can have good friends because I'm always jealous of what they have or what they look like or how popular they are. And I am not any of those things. And he said, okay, what I want you to do is the next time that you find yourself jealous of somebody else, I want you to say, instead of, oh, I wish I was like her, I want you to say, thank you, God, for making her beautiful. Thank you, God, for making her athletic. Thank you, God, for her gift of music. Thank you, God, that she is so smart. Thank you, God, that it seems like she has a great relationship with her boyfriend. And when you start to turn that, like, I wish I had that, that jealousy into gratitude, it gives you the capacity for love in a way that maybe you weren't open to before. It gives you that capacity to see what God sees in that person. That's not comparing yourself to other people. It's saying, thank you, God, for my gifts and thank you for their gifts. And even if you're not sure that you totally mean it yet, if you begin with that, it'll start to transform how you look at people and how you see yourself. Because if they have gifts given to them by God, so do I. And just because I'm not the girliest girl and I am horrible at cooking. Actually, I was cooking dinner the other day and my daughter, you, you know her, um, she came in and she goes, Mom, what are you doing? And I said, I'm cooking dinner. And she goes, okay, Mom, just pretend you're on a cooking show and do your very best, okay? I was like, <laughs> so then we ordered pizza. And <laughs> I, I am not very good at the domestic things in life. And I really struggled with that as a young mom, as, as a young wife, that, man, I can't even sew. I'm a horrible cook. Our pizza guy, when my husband and I were first married, we had a friendship with our pizza man. And when we were moving, he was like, oh, man, you guys are leaving. We're going to miss you so much. We're like, yeah, you know, we're me. He went back to the pizza shop, brought us free Cinestics, and was like, this is just a parting gift. We shut the door. We're like, we are so pathetic. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> so I've had to learn some of those things. But I've learned that it doesn't mean that I'm a bad wife and a bad mom just because I'm not good at those things. There are other things that I'm good at. And when you start to see how these relationships in your life start to complement each other and you recognize your own gifts, then it gives you a capacity for a deep friendship. Deep relationships that's not, you know, you're holding back because you're jealous and you wish that you were that way, but you're like, thank you, God. Thank you that she is so tan, you know? If you can't tone it, tan it. That's what I always say. Okay. Um, if you, <laughs> amen. <laughs> um, thank you, God. Thank you for this girl. Help me not to be jealous. Help me to be thankful for the gifts that she has, the gifts that she brings. And then the number four, the highest level of friendship, comes with prayer and grace. Because you allow God to transform your heart 
to make you merciful. I couldn't have forgiven that man for the child pornography if it weren't for constantly just saying to the Lord, in the name of Jesus, help me forgive this man. In the name of Jesus, help me forgive this man. And it was this all-consuming, total, like, hatred that I had for him. Every time I talked about it, every time I thought about it, I would be on the floor just sobbing. And we, we did hear from the FBI agent that he doesn't think that there were any pictures of my daughter taken. But I was, like, devastated. And it, some of you guys have had friendships where you have felt such betrayal. This person said that they loved me. And they're lying about me. They're gossiping about me. They're posting things on social media that are not true or that are embarrassing. They're trying to break up this relationship that I have with my boyfriend or with my other friends. There's such betrayal and hurt in those friendships. And with the highest level of friendship is where you allow God to transform that relationship. When you say, God, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this person for what they've done to me. In the name of Jesus, I forgive them for this betrayal because I can't do it on my own. I'm not capable of forgiving somebody on my own. And that's good news, right? That's good news that God can heal and transform. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go back and hang out with them again. Maybe that betrayal was so severe that it means, like, the, the consequence of that is that we are no longer friends. But when I forgive, I am set free to have good healthy, positive relationships in my life. My prayer right now is in the name of Jesus, help me to love this guy. Not to let him back into my home or into my life, but to love him and care for his soul. That one day, Lord, that he would experience a transformation and be one with you in heaven. That you would heal whatever was in his life that caused him to act out in this way. That's my prayer now. So the people that are sitting here that have come with your group, that maybe you just don't like them. Say, Lord, help me to see this person as you see them. My husband and I, we went to a, a Chick-fil-A, which is my favorite restaurant of all times. Um, and, uh, we were, that's because they have changing tables in the men's room. Um, just kidding. And good chicken. But anyways, we were at this Chick-fil-A. We were visiting my sister in Colorado and we went to Chick-fil-A for lunch. And as we walked in, I saw this guy that was clearly homeless. You know, he was sitting at a table by himself. He had a duffel bag, he had really dirty clothes, but he had a Bible and a laptop as well. And so I tell my husband, like, hey, you know, this guy, let's go get him some food or something. And my husband's like, no, he's not homeless. And I was like, David, he's clearly homeless. Like, he has, who carries a duffel bag with him? And he, my husband's like, he has a laptop. And I said, David, maybe that's like his only prized possession is this laptop. And he's like, no, no, it's going to be embarrassing and insulting, like, if he's not really homeless. And, and I said, well, just go ask him if you want something to eat. And he, he was like, no, 
that's embarrassing. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. So then somebody else, while we're like arguing about this, somebody else orders him food. And I was like, you missed your opportunity to see Jesus. So then I noticed that this guy is opening his Bible. And my husband and I were about to do Bible study while the kids were in the play area. So I was like, let's just go ask him if he wants to join us in the Bible study because he's here all by himself. And he's like, if you want to do it, then you go do it. So I was like, fine. So I go up to this guy, and I'm like, hey, you know, we're about to do a Bible study. Would you like to come and join us? And so he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'd love to. So he gets his things, and he comes, and he sits with us. And it turns out he was homeless. He had lost his job. He couldn't pay his rent. He was living from, with different friends and family until they were just tired of it. And so he was out um, just homeless, living in shelters. And we had this great Bible study. We talked to him. It was really awesome, really great. And then as I'm walking out, as we're leaving, we're packing up, the, getting the kids, and we're getting ready to leave the restaurant, this lady handed me a folded-up piece of paper. And when I opened up the paper, it said, Hi, you don't know me, but I'm going through a really difficult divorce right now. And on the way here, I saw married couples just fighting. And I was beginning to think, there are no good people in the world. There are no good relationships. But I just wanted to say that you and your husband talking to that guy was so meaningful to me. And it gives me hope for good relationships for me and my boys in the future. And I just wept. I'm like, didn't you hear us fighting, though? Like, we were fighting. <laughs> but I just, I just wept, like... When you allow that prayer and grace to transform you and you use your feminine gifts of sensitivity, like, this person needs me. This person needs us. The world needs you. Your schools need you. Your families need you. Your youth group needs you. Your church needs you. They need your gifts. We need that transformation because people are hurting. People are lonely. People are scared and broken. Just this, you know, couple years that we have lived on our street, we have had two teen suicides on our street, one street in our neighborhood. People are broken and they need us and they need us to love God, to take our faith seriously because this is life and death. These friendships that we are striving for, we, people need this. People are lost. They need us to say, Lord, help me to love you more. Help me to get my butt to mass. Help me to get to confession. Help me to receive your grace so that I can be a change. This generation wants to make a difference in the world more than, uh, they say, more than any other generation. That we, we feel like obligated to make a difference and to stand for justice and to speak truth. And that's not just on social media. That's in your life right now, today, the pe with the people sitting next to you. Let God transform you to help you love the people around you to develop good friendships. Have times in your youth group or with your friends where you say, today is screen-free Sunday. We are going to hang out with no screens. We're going to be vulnerable. We're going to stop putting filters and masks. And we're going to share what is the Lord doing in our life. What are we struggling with right now? Or you can do screen-free Saturdays. There are two days of the week that start with S. So phone-free Fridays. You know, come up with your, with your thing. 
Come up with your way to build good and authentic friendships. Love God first. You're not good because you don't do bad things. You're not loving if you've never loved somebody. Anything good about us can only be attributed to us in a positive way, in a positive action. You're not good because you're not like that kid. You're good because God loves you, and you're good because you've been good to other people. You're good because God created you. You're loving because you love him and other people. You're good because you were formed out of relationship. And you're forgiving because you have had to forgive other people. Sometimes when you say, you know, to people, are you going to heaven? They'll say, yeah. And you say, how do you know that? Because I'm a good person. How are you a good person? Because I don't do bad things. There was a study, I can't remember where I read this, but they surveyed all these people and they said, you know, how many of you think that Oprah is going to heaven? And like 76% said, you know, definitely Oprah's going to heaven. And then they're like, how many of you think that Mother Teresa is going to heaven? Like 86% or something like that said, you know, Mother Teresa is going to heaven. And then how many of you think you're going to heaven? Almost 100%. Like, are we holier than Mother Teresa? Like, what are you doing? You know, that sometimes we think, oh, we're just, we're such good people. And the Lord is saying, love me and love your neighbor. That's our calling. Love me and love your neighbor. And then you are my friends if you keep my commands. And when you love your neighbor, you transform this world. You transform your youth group. People are drawn to you, not because you're a good person, but because God lives in you. People didn't travel from all over the world to see Mother Teresa because she was a good person. There's plenty of good people. They traveled from all over the world to see her because they wanted a glimpse of God, of the eternal. The highest level of friendship is you are friends with God and people see the eternal in you. You exemplify this, that you love when it's hard you forgive when it's hard. Take time. Take time with your friends. Take time with your youth group to have good, authentic relationships. We're going to pray. Um, so I want you to just stand for a second. When my husband proposed to me, uh, we had gone to a chapel to pray. They had adoration. And we went to adoration, and I had been thinking, like, he was going to propose pretty soon. And I, every time we would go out to a fancy restaurant, I'd be like, this would be a great place to propose. Or we would go for a walk in the park. I mean, this is the perfect day for a proposal, you know. Well, he took me to a church at adoration. And I had started to pray the rosary, and he nudged me, and he had this box, and I, I thought it was a rosary. And I was like, I already started the rosary. Like, I'm not going to start over, you know. <laughs> and he was like, no, no. Um, and he opens it, and he shows me the ring. And he says, I love you, and I want to be a better man for you, and I want to help you get to heaven. 
and will you marry me? I was like, yes. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. You know? um, and then all the like little church ladies were like, shh. Like, okay. I just got married. Jeez. I mean, engaged, not married yet. <laughs> it's not. You have to take classes. Okay. Anyway. Um, but our goal is to get each other to heaven. Guys, I want you to see that your worth is not because of your accomplishments and things that you've done. Your worth is that God loves you. And God is so loving and so relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that he allows us to cooperate in that, to extend his love to other people, to show his love and his mercy to other people. So I'm going to bring Katie back up and Mary-Kate. They're going to help us with some prayer. Um, And we're just going to ask the Lord to heal the relationships that have been broken, to heal the parts of us that are struggling, so that we can be his extension of love and mercy in this world. just want you to just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that my worth is based in what people think of me. In the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that I have to be popular. In the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that I'm not good enough. In the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that you love others more than me.